0: Juliette Levy Cohen is the founder of the French clean beauty concept store Oh My Cream. Offering a curated range of the most cutting edge brands, Juliette has created the ultimate personal beauty shopping experience, and I cannot wait to uncover her journey today. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far and I decided to launch this podcast as the founders are keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's like to welcome our guest for today, Juliette Lévy-Cohen. She is a founder of the French beauty concept store Oh My Cream, a one-stop shop for all things beauty. Oh My Cream offers a fully tailored skincare consultation, treatment and beauty routines and carries a variety of curated products from the most cutting edge brands in the industry. With 22 stores in France and two brand new locations in London, each providing a signature intimate personal shopping experience, Juliet has truly paved the way towards a new generation of beauty retail. I can proudly say that I've visited some of the stores even myself in London and was blown away by the attention to detail in every single step of the experience. I cannot wait to learn more about Oh My Queen's own skincare line which Juliet launched as a brilliant entry point into skincare. So Juliet, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Hi Akash, thank you for having me.
0: i um, so I'm very lucky because it's always great when I get to do this podcast when after already meeting uh, the founder and we were very fortunate to meet you invited me to um, it was a Notting Hill store and I just was blown away by what I felt inside the energy the the interaction I had as a consultation and honestly it was I was like where has this been my whole life and luckily I did live in Paris for many years so I'm not unfamiliar with Oh My Cream but Thank God you guys came to London because we needed it here. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm really, really personally excited to get into this because uh, I think what you're doing is so incredible. But before we go into it, I ask all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you, who in a nutshell is Juliet?
1: Uh, in a nutshell, so I'm Juliette, I am 35, I am the founder of Cream, which I created 10 years ago when I graduated from business school, uh, and I am married and I have two beautiful boys, uh, aged three and nine months.
0: And... Um- uh, I, I believe, sorry, just to be, remember, if I, um, are you born and raised in Paris or somewhere yes, else? In I Paris? didn't say it,
1: uh, yeah. but you will notice it very quickly because I will do my best to speak English the right way, but it's hard for yeah. me because I'm not a native. I was raised and born in Paris, yes.
0: What well, I wanted to know a little bit about your first interactions with beauty growing up in Paris. Do you remember anything from the early days, young baby Juliet?
1: Ah uh, yes, I remember everything. I remember sitting on a bench in the bathroom with my mom yes. every time she was preparing herself, putting on some makeup, and we were chatting, chatting, chatting. And of course, I wasn't allowed to put makeup on because I was young. Mm. And I remember when I was around, I think, 10 or 12 something, the first time that she allowed me to put a little bit of blush and a little bit of lip balm, and I was super excited. And as far as I can remember... I have always truly been passionate about beauty. Yeah. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was doing babysittings, not to go out with my friends, just to buy a super expensive sizzly wow. cream at the time. <laughs> And with my best friend, we were always going. I have so many memories at the Sephora of the Champs-Elysées. Champs-Elysées. Specifically this one, because it's like the biggest and it's open at night. I mean, at the time, I think it no longer is, but at the time... Quite
0: late still, yeah.
1: Quite late. It was was until midnight. So, I mean, our our favorite night out was not to go to nightclubs or to the cinemas. It was like going to Sephora. <laughs> I love it. So yes, I have a lot of memories uh, related to beauty yeah. uh, from as long as I can remember.
0: So, I mean, as someone who's a beauty junkie, definitely, uh, whenever you are hooked to, to the places like Sephora, you now are enthralled with a variety of products. And Naturally, we spend a lot of money, as you know, and we try a lot of stuff. And not everything always works. Some things do, some things don't. And we'd love to know a bit of your experience with kind of seeing the results of some of these products and how you felt. Um, what was like, potentially missing through all of this learnings?
1: I think there has always been, especially in France, many, many, many different brands available out there. But I think the main issue, is, especially in France, again, is the fact that The most uh, renowned brands here are those luxury brands that we all know, the Dior, the Chanel, the Lancôme, which are amazing luxury houses, but Hmm. are not truly skincare experts. Uh, It was not their starting point. Um, And I have always had acne-prone skin, luckily for me no longer. But uh, back then I had many skin issues and I was trying out everything that was out there And nothing worked, actually. So over the years, I realized many different things. The first being, the most important being that less is more. I mean, don't try anything. Don't change every other day. Just try to stick to a few essentials that are the right ones for you. And I think using 15 products today is not that good for your skin. I mean, I think now today I only have a routine with like five, maybe six products on a daily basis maximum and it's much better for my skin. But I have also realized that the skincare brands that were launched uh, by skincare experts whose focus was skincare um, happened to deliver much more results and, and those brands are maybe more little, less famous than those big institutional brands that we all know. And they're not very widely distributed. And the consultants in store don't know that brands because they don't have um, the finances to organize incentives, to do uh, many trainings, to go to each and every Sephora store to train the staff. It's not possible because they're not Dior or Chanel. So I realized over the years and when I was in my 20s that there were actually some little gems that actually delivered the results I was looking for, but they were hard to find because not that many at the time. It was 10 years ago. There are many more niche brands now, but it wasn't that much the case at the time. And they were like in a little corner in a big store. And when you asked, salespeople about those brands, they didn't know anything about those brands, you know, and they wanted to sell you some other stuff, the big stuff. So all of those things, uh, I was fed up with this and I was intrigued and I was like, there must be something to do differently um, to have a store where those brands are the stars because they deserve uh, to be well known by so many more people. Uh, Because I had a lot of friends in the same case where I am with skin issues, with problems, spending so much money in products that it wouldn't finish, that would end up in the shelf in their bathroom because it wasn't good enough. So I really wanted a new generation of store focusing on results, on expert staff, on an amazing skin diagnosis to help people find what's best for their skin, actually.
0: Everything you said has been a frustration for so many people. And I'm, it, it is quite shocking to see, like, it hasn't taken a while for anyone to create something like Oh My Cream. Like, thank God you did, because uh, even being in Paris for many years, and, and London, of course, um, there is a huge gap for a place, an ecosystem that's intimate, modern. Um, it allows you to really get a curated portfolio, but of also the newest and the the hottest and the most efficacious brands. Right. Cause I can tell you like when I, and it's governed by relationships a lot of the time, like when I was at, uh working in Dior and, uh, you know, Sephora, you always walk in. And as much as I love Sephora France and Europe, it is the first things you see are always the YSL, Chanel Dior because they're the ones paying the most to get the visibility in store. That's how it works. And and also, and then of course the consumer shops more of that because that's what they see the most. So, you know, it's a, it's a circle of we only kind of see and sell and data becomes of what's given space. Um, And now you're seeing the consumers are getting a lot more modern, a lot more globalized, and they're seeing stuff on TikTok or everywhere. And they're getting frustrated, like, why can't I pick up the new Sunday Riley cream or the new, you know? And um, I think it's very cool what you're doing um, in creating these stores in localized communities as well, right? Which makes it accessible to come to. But also you get like your familiarity of like, oh, that's my go-to Place.
1: Of course, because I think, I mean, those huge supermarkets like Sephora are amazing. And, and I loved to go there back then. But it's just not for everybody. If you want personalized advice, if you don't want to be confused by an overwhelming offer, actually, because too many choices is very hard for many people. Too many options is very hard. It's a confusing industry. So you, if you don't have an expert or a best friend who tells you this is worth it, then how do you know? Because recently, everybody knew and started to know that the salespeople in store have incentives and are not giving unbiased advice. And they're not even sometimes giving expert advice because they don't always receive proper training so i think people need guidance in beauty more than ever because there are so many brands out there and they need a place which is as you said intimate we cannot have like 200 300 square meter stores i mean i would love it i love the atmosphere i love how it you know it's boosting your energy and everything but i mean that's not where you want to sit in a peaceful place to have a a chat and take some time to have this conversation with an actual beauty expert. It's, It's not compatible. So those rather small stores with maybe less, fewer options is actually what people want. And, and I'm glad because there is space for everybody. It
0: has that Even even yourself, as a founder of Oh My Cream, you're still going to go to Sephora, right? Like, of you're still course. It. It's and just very
1: different. It. And there are some people who are just lost at Sephora and who are fed up with not finding the right routine for their skin.
0: Exactly. I love that. No, it's so true. Well, you know, then you went ahead and, and you did it, right? So Oh My Cream was born. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the name?
1: Uh, actually, the name was a huge struggle at the time because I had many ideas. And as you know, because you had to find names for your company, um, most of them were not available. I mean, I didn't have the URL uh, address available at the inpi which is the um, intellectual property institution in France. It was already um, owned by somebody else. So it was very hard. So I ended up with a friend of my husband, who was actually a copywriter and i I said, "Okay, you have to to help me find a name and he He came up with all my Cre." And- I loved it. It, I, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was looking for a French name, and but I loved it. It made me smile instantly. And it's funny because when we opened our first store in Saint-Germain-des-Prés in Paris, um, we had the, a very little uh, 15 square meters office just above the store. And I was always working with the, the windows open. And I heard people coming in front of the store and they were looking at the store and were like, Oh, my cream. And they were saying the name and laughing at it. And I was like, it's good because it's not the case for every name. I mean, they don't go in the street and say like, Maj, Sandro, or those other brands that we all know. Uh, But they were saying, oh, my cream. Um, And they were smiling about it. And I think it's a friendly, enthusiastic name. It says, my. It has the personalized aspect of our concept. It says, Oh, because you will be blown away by the efficiency of the product. It says "cream" because we are um, mostly uh, about skincare, even though we have also hair care and makeup. But I mean, uh, our core job, our core mission is to help people find the right skincare routine. So I, I thought it had it all, but I didn't came up with it myself.
0: <laughs> I know. I think it's such a great name, and 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 it, for me, it just you know when you hear a name, and you're like it makes sense. It's like, it's like yeah. perfect. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so then when, when did you start working on the idea and when did like, how, was it like a, a year? Was it six months? Like was it was many years and until the actual launch, tell us about that process.
1: So actually I graduated from business school and I had yeah. no idea what I would do with my life because I had done internships in finance, uh, as a consultant and it literally made me sick. I was having panic attacks, uh, each time I was thinking about okay, what am I gonna do for the ten next years or anything? So my mom told me, I mean, you're you're a beauty junkie, how come you don't want to work in this industry? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, mothers are always right, almost all the time. So I should listen to my gut and, and trust my my intuitions and and try to, to 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 work in this industry. So I did my last internship in beauty. I realized all the things that we talked about earlier and that there was actually still something to do, even though um, the, the, the retailers at the time were huge and super successful and everybody was telling me, what are you going to do? I mean, they do the job very well and there is no space for anyone else. And you are so little and you're, you're going to fail, of course. But I had many entrepreneurs in my family, uh, especially my dad, who was like, "No, you should go for it. You should definitely try, and you will work hard, and you will succeed." And I mean, in life, if you work hard, you're succeed. You're succeeding, and that's how I was. The way I was raised, so so I was quite self-confident, and so I ended my internship. I graduated and really, I I went on holidays. It was the winter holidays. And 2nd of January, I was um, in an office landed by my father in his company uh, alone. And I said, "Okay, I'll build this. Uh, So I actually bought a computer because I didn't have a computer. I cried a lot this first day because I was in the meeting room alone. It was like, what the hell am I doing? I mean, my friends have great jobs and I'm like alone sitting in this room and I don't know where to start and so I started like everybody I I searched on Google how to do a business plan how to do a pitch a deck and everything because and I had learned a few things of course in business school and it took me six months because during the summer I had brands on board I had an artistic director to design the website. I had developers for the website. Everybody freelance, of course. I couldn't hire anybody. And I had done my first fundraising with Business Angels for uh, 400,000 euros to start. So I had all of this in six months. And during the summer, uh, we were working on the website and it was taking much longer than what I expected. It was hard because we were building everything um, tailor-made, you know, from scratch. It was not like Magento, Shopify, or uh, our developers uh, really uh, build everything from scratch. So it actually took a year. We launched the summer after this summer. And during this summer, my husband told me, "You know what? Uh, You should check stores because it's not that expensive." We just went. uh, We just were out of a um, real estate crisis, so so the stores were not that uh, that expensive. And I had raised money to finance the stocks, the website, the shootings, uh, because the banks won't finance those type of things. But the bank do actually loan you money. Um, to open a physical store because this is a business that they understand. So he told me, well, you should check over lunch one day. So I called some agents and then I visited one store in Saint-Germain-des-Prés and I had a crush on it and I signed it. And three months later, it was open. So my best friend's mom was an architect. So she helped me design what I had in mind. And um, and then end of the year, the store was open for the for Christmas, actually. So... I'd say six months to have the basics, a bit less than a year to have the first store. And again, six months to have the, the e-shop.
0: E-shop. And then, so one thing I want to ask is because going from one store to 20 stores in Paris, for example, it's it's incredible. But is there any advice you would give to anyone like in terms of like, a, it's hard to give a rule book. Every unique, every journey is unique and, you know, there isn't always a right and wrong. But is there like a, do you wait a year to get a proof of concept, to get learnings? And then you open up like three more or two more. Like I always wondered like how like that McDonald's effect, right? Like franchising. Mm. How do you, how did you do it?
1: I think the hardest part is going from one to two. Mm. Exactly like for your children. <laughs> that was the hardest for me. <laughs> Zero to one and one to two. And after... It's super easy. Um, mm. I mean, it depends on your processes and your staff and your ability to...
0: The locations. To yeah, it. like the countries. But,
1: but, but it's easier, in my opinion. So the first one was easy because you're not um, actually uh, live. You don't have actual customers. So you just try to realize what's in your mind. So it's super exciting. It's, uh, it's one of the best parts of the journey because... It's like you have an amazing wish list and you can just do whatever you do. Uh, You're just a bit... um, Of course, you can do what... uh, um, There is a constraint, which is the finance that you have, of course. But, I mean, 400,000 euros for a start was a big amount of money. So I felt like I didn't have that many um, um, constraints. And I actually built... The store that I was in, the e-shop that I was dreaming of. Then, first day in business, you meet your customers, and then you you realize that some on some subjects you were right, and on some points you were wrong. So I think the 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 most important quality of an entrepreneur is to be very to stick to your what you believe in, and to be you know very I don't know how to say in English uh, stubborn like. You know? But at the same time, being the opposite, so open-minded, so open to change, to admitting that you were wrong, to go back. Uh, because because if you don't, then you will never meet your customers' needs because they evolve, okay. they change, and they know the truth. They know best. I mean, they're the one that you are trying to satisfy. So you should listen to them more than you should listen to yourself. So, um, so I think that... You should wait a little bit after your first proof of concept, because you will learn so many things in the coming months that building the second one and the third one and the fourth too quickly is a mistake, I think, because there are very few chances that you will get it right 100% the first time. So we changed many different things from the first one to the second, and then when we realized, okay, it's not just the first one that's working well and that is successful. The second one is too. So there might be some something to do and to scale. And we changed some things along the way. Then, okay, we're ready to scale. And so we opened the first one uh, very beginning of 2013. The second one was in 2014. Yeah. And then all the other one came two years later so it's a long time but we had time to process the trainings the sales the selling techniques the facial protocols um to build some brand awareness with the pr uh to have a very seamless experience online all those kind of things take time if you want to do them well and i don't regret it but once you want to scale i think You should go fast. And I think this is the moment, 2016, when we started to launch other stores third, the fourth, the fifth. I think maybe we could have been a bit quicker.
0: But you know, what? There, there's, there's always maybes, but in the day, it's, there's a reason for it in the universe we don't realize. And I think everything happens for a reason. So potentially, it's actually probably a blessing because um, then obviously I was about to ask, COVID came, which is not always the easiest things for retail and stores. Luckily, you had an online business, which was yeah. smart and good. But how was that period then? Because 2020 must have been a bit of a, a game changer for certain moments of stores closing.
1: It was very weird because we were super scared. Actually, when the announcement was made on um, in France, it was one of yeah. I wasn't watching TV. It was a Saturday night, and my investor texted me, "Your stores will shut uh, starting on Monday." And I thought it was a joke. I mean, we all thought it was impossible.
0: Like, oh yeah, sure, but maybe for a day or what? What is this reality? Yeah, oh, yeah
1: but it was surreal. I mean, it was a lack of freedom. Or uh, I totally understood it, and I and of course it was the right yeah. decision. But at the time, it was it seemed like wow, what's happening? It's the end of the universe. <laughs> so exactly. I was very, very scared and very scared on a personal level, you know, for my health, for my children, for my family. But business-wise, it was funny because we really thought it was the end of everything, that the online, of course, we had the online business, but 50, 60% of our sales were in brick-and-mortar stores. So we were like, oh, how are we going to cope with it? But very soon we realized um, Two things, the first one being like we just had raised 2 million, uh, 12 million euros with a new investor. So actually we had cash. We had a pile of cash and we were like, okay, this crisis won't kill us. It will harm us, but it won't kill us because we won't run out of cash. So the first thing I did is I reassured all the staff saying it will be hard. We will struggle. We will do our best to keep the business running, but um, this won't kill us. Except for if it lasts 10 years. But at the time, we were like, okay, we'll have to struggle for a few months and then we'll figure it out. So I was very soon reassured. Um, At the time, we said, okay, we will give 10% of our sales to those um, associations and to those causes to uh, uh, to help with this crisis. And we thought we would give, I mean, a little amount of money. And we, we we announced this measure for, I think, a one-month period or something. And we ended up giving more than 200,000 euros to the research against COVID. <laughs> because actually, people massively went to our eShop. And we did one of our best sales months ever. It was incredible. It almost entirely compensated the lack of business in store. Because I think that our customers, I mean, once you have the right cleanser, the right face cream, I mean, you need it. It's not like, okay, tomorrow I won't clean my face and I will stop moisturizing. I mean, it's not like buying clothes. It's not like going on holidays. It's not something that you cut. And we have exclusive brands that people are very loyal to. So they were like, okay, I cannot go in store, but I have the option to go online so we had free delivery. We have our we had our consultants available via chat, via Zoom, via everything. We did everything to adapt. Um, we we changed totally the way we were addressing our customers on Instagram with uh, recipes, uh, sport classes, uh, um, many different type of contents uh, on our social media to entertain our customers uh, who were like bored at home. But it was. Um, Actually, an amazing year of growth for us, which was very surprising. I think the hardest part, to be honest, is right now, because now it's back to normal. And and it's still not that back to normal in terms of business. And I know there are a lot of us out there a bit struggling, um, especially on the digital business, because our stores are booming like... Never and now it's
0: shifted completely again. Yeah, it's, it's totally it's...
1: shifted. People want to go back in store. They don't want I'm to shop it. online as I much mean, as I, before. It's weird. I remember
0: last year I was saying like oh, it was a ninety. It was like a ninety ten split online and in store. And now it's like then it was 50, 50. And I'm like, oh, it's back to fifty fifty. And now it's like really shifting towards a brick and mortar. And it's making exactly. us really think about oh, our ad spend we need to start cutting. Or our influencer spend, all the stuff that we really relied on fully. It's getting quite saturated online, and and I think it's it's good though that you've built your business very omni-channel and very tethered with each other. Like you know, you can move your virt- your consultations virtual or not, and it allows that hybrid, basically business model to be catering for the consumer's need, your own oh my cream people's need. You know, that's the most important at the end of the day is what they want. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It is tough because uh, it's hard to know when you have to invest in things, sometimes you've got to make decisions as a founder months in advance, you know, and then the change happens later. So but you
1: need kind of... to be very, I don't know how to say in English, agile. Agile, uh, yeah, very agile. agile. Yeah. And I think as a startup, we are used to being agile. And that is why maybe the startups, um, I mean, all the entrepreneurs that I have around me during COVID actually did great, surprisingly, mm. because I think we are all very agile compared to, bigger corporations where if they need to change their Instagram strategy or put their consultants online and they cannot do this overnight and we can actually. And yeah. that's a huge strength.
0: It's so true. It's uh, I do want to ask one question. I haven't really, I think it's more quite relevant for um, our sort of businesses because you know, when when you grow, um, there's a moment where you always say startup and small companies, small business, and then there's a point where you're realizing, oh, it's, you know, there's quite a lot of employees, it's quite big, it's growing, and and with that, and it sounds very odd to say, of course it's so exciting, it's, it's one of the best feelings to see your baby grow, but then it can get a little bit, like, less exciting on certain elements, that like you might send your team for maybe your new store openings and not yourself, or you might, you know, you just might, realize now that you've done a lot it becomes a little bit more uh I guess you can say evolved right how is it like like do you miss those early moments of creating it where you did all those things and you were wearing all those hats
1: actually um I am somebody who's very very nostalgic by nature and surprisingly I am not at all nostalgic of the beginnings you know why? Because I feel like we are building new businesses every day. And I don't know if it will last, to be honest, because now we're 150 people. So, of course, it's bigger than it used to be. And if you had told me this a few years ago, I would have told you, oh, no, I won't like it anymore. Uh, I won't be passionate about it. I mean, I don't want to have 150 people. It's it's like a not a small company and, and I don't like it. And actually, I love it. You know why? Because... I know myself very well, and I know that I will be good at my job if we have new projects, new ideas every year. So every year, I'm like, okay. Then at first, we launched stores, and I was there to open each and every store. And it was, as you said, amazing memories. Amazing memories, really. One of the best. Then I said, okay, we will launch actually our own skincare range, Oh My Cream Skincare. (gasps) And that was, I mean... uh, baby dream come true. I was like, I can build a product that I'm actually dreaming of. It's amazing. So I was super excited about this for years, and I still am because we're still developing products. Then we were like, okay, I want to build a new experience, more oriented towards wellness. And we built and we imagined from scratch over a year, the studio in Paris, which is like an urban spa. And it was so excited. And I was like, okay, what's next? Oh, then there's the UK. Okay, let's cross the borders and let's start all over again in a new country. And that's so exciting. And each time that we have such a new idea, I'm like, maybe this is our last idea. And after, I'll get bored. And if I get bored, it's okay. I'll do something else. I mean... Uh, my whole life is not dedicated to my cream. As long as I have fun every day, as long as I enjoy myself, I'll keep going. The day it stops, the day it becomes a routine, a big corporation to run, and there is no new things, no new projects, then it's okay. I'll step down and somebody will take the job and do it very well. Now I have, I think the the maturity to know that I don't know when this day will come. Five days, Years ago, I would have told you, okay, I think in one, two years, I will run out of ideas, I'll get bored, and I'll stop. Yep. And now we're 10 years from the start, and I have a new project, the UK. For it. I've been working on it for a few months, and I think I still have a lot to do about it. And I'm like, okay, in one, two years, may, maybe when the UK is running, what will I do? I don't know. Mm. Maybe I'll have something new, maybe not. It will be a problem in two years, not now.
0: (laughs) I love that. And, you know, I think we're very similar where, you have to have those projects that make it feel like it's starting, like something to get Actually. excited about. Um, especially and 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 also that often translates to innovation and and making something a bit more different. Either because if you're doing the same same stuff, you're not learning, you're not growing, and you're probably not catering to the new needs of people. So I think yeah, it's, it's so also it's a, a sign for a business
1: to adapt all the time, especially
0: as founders. Founders love. Founding things, creating things right that 's what we do here, so I think it 's very important that you said that, and for me it 's actually really inspiring it 's like cool, and I have one hundred fifty people, I hope to have that mentality and, and, and I think that makes me a little bit comforting to know, yeah, like you can grow a company that big and still
1: and still have fun
0: still have fun and and you know still even do those i even call I call them personally those' ego projects sometimes if you have to have the business run its traditional course, do it, grow it 200, 300 people. But it's not wrong for a founder to have some ego projects that are more like personal. They might not make super ROI sense, but if it's something that's needed or like maybe you film a documentary, maybe you do something, whatever it is, right? If it makes it a little bit more exciting for you as a founder, no one should stop that um, as long as you don't have your eyes off the priority. So sometimes on my team, I, I do these like ego projects and they're like, we don't need to be making this teddy bear toy of a tiger and i'm like no but it's let's work on it it's gonna be cool and and i Um, think this
1: is what make a brand also successful is founders trusting their guts doing what they like being authentic about what they do and that's what people are buying also i mean it's so essential for a brand to keep innovating all the time and keep on
0: dreaming i call it right the dream allows people to connect a lot more and if you don't
1: do it yeah. then the company will collapse for sure. And, and the conglomerates,
0: con- I'll be honest, having worked in, you know, Lauder and LVMH, and they don't dream as much. They do the bottle, the box effect, right? We have the templates. And why people often resonate a lot with these new indie brands is not because they're fully new. It's because they can feel that sense but of dream there. and desire, you know, from exactly. that order. That's the secret sauce, I think. So yeah, fully agree. But I want to talk a little bit about your line of Oh My Cream Skincare because um, having tried it myself, I'm a huge fan. It's in my it's in my day. I took it with me to Qatar even. Like I have to carry one with me. I'm nearly running out, so I need to do a top up. But um, that's why I'm going to go to your King's Road location. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, tell me like A, why, you know, having, I, I probably understand why as well because, you know, you had, you had a lot of products, but you kind of felt maybe there were some things missing. But why did you decide to, create your own line and how did it start
1: actually i trusted my gut as we said earlier because i was in store for the whole first year in the business and i realized that there were so many people coming in and they were like okay i have acne i have imperfections i have wrinkles and i want this super serum or and i was like okay no, no let's go back to basics just first tell me how you clean your skin every night do you moisturize do you exfoliate and they were like Yeah, a little bit of micellar water on a cotton pad. and Okay, so we realized by going back to the basics and making sure that the people were doing it with the right gestures, with the right product, then you could actually change their skin and resolve most of the skin issues. The problem was at the time that our good cleansers, exfoliators, you know, the the basic steps of a beauty routine were actually... A little bit expensive, to be very honest, because we are a premium beauty destination. And I had like all my younger friends or, you know, the girlfriends of my little brothers that were like, "Um, no, I I cannot start my journey at Oh My Cream with 150 euros of cleansers and moisturizers. I mean, that's not possible. So I realized there was a barrier for so many customers And it made me sad. So I realized that we needed at Oh My Cream a range that first was exclusively focused on those daily steps of a beauty routine to really, really make the customer understand that this is the most important. And then, of course, you can go further and buy serums and eye contours and and masks and those kind of things. But if you don't do those steps right, there's there's no point in doing the rest. So, a range that would exclusively focus on this message and at a price point that would be more affordable for everybody. And that's how All My Cream Skincare was born. And from day one, it has been our number one brand, a huge success. It's 20% of our sales, which is a lot. And I really, really didn't expect this at the time. And this is the moment where. Also, Oh My Cream, globally, as a retailer, it was a turning point. Suddenly, we became successful and famous in France, and everybody was talking about us, because there was a way for everybody to purchase something at Oh My Cream. So some would buy Tata Harper, my mom would buy Tata Harper and Darmalogica, and my stepsister would buy Oh My Cream skincare. So... It was, it was amazing and it's very fun to, on a daily basis, my job is to expand the range uh, with some essentials because the range has to remain minimalist because that's its main advantage, I think. So we try to to imagine some iconic, very simple, very efficient, very clean, of course, products for every skin needs. Um, and it's, it's very successful since uh, 2017. So,
0: And do you have like um, a future in mind for the line outside of Oh My Cream? Or do you want to keep it within the stores? Because uh, the products are so good. Like I-, I know there's great to keep them within them, but like sometimes, you know, there's, some areas of the world that you might not be able to open up your store, but you might want to still retail this line?
1: To be very honest, this is the exact question that we're asking ourselves right now. Because, yeah. um, for in the country that we are in, so France and now the UK, we want mm. the brand to remain exclusive to Oh My Cream. And because that's I strongly believe in advice, and I don't trust everybody with this brand. So, and I think we have enough locations. I mean, not yet in the UK, but soon, hopefully, to to be able to to deliver. Um, but you're totally right. For example, in the UK or other countries in the in Europe, we're questioning the option to to um, to sell the line as a standalone brand, because I think it has the potential to be a standalone brand, even though it carries our name. Um, and I think this is something we might try in the coming months.
0: I think period. you have to just, as you said many times, uh, just go with your gut. You know better than anyone. And that's what you'll do. So I'm excited to see what happens there. But um, So apart from products, um, in terms of future Oh My Cream, uh, anything that you can share, obviously UK consolidate grow uh, get the market stronger with more potential stories but what other, what else is in the pipeline that you can share all your ideas
1: honestly expanding our line on my cream skincare and growing in the uk is actually what's on the roadmap for the moment and it's Amazing. a lot a lot a lot because i am i'm really realizing in the past few months that even though you're quite renowned in france starting in a new country especially in the uk which is very competitive where people love beauty and are truly experts and i mean they were not waiting for us Um, it's really hard
0: and uk is very tough i'll say like even as a brand that is in the uk as with the head office in the uk born and raised in the uk our uk business is the smallest compared to all other regions i'm not even kidding and I'm in like the most doors, I'm in like Selfridges, Cult Beauty, Boots, and it's still so much smaller than even um, Middle East or India. Or, so it's just that I think there is, a, there is a lot of education, but I think that's what Oma Akuma, if you know if you spend time getting people in the stores, people are really, they need just a little bit more education and time, but then they're, very, they're loyal here.
1: Yes. I mean, I am convinced because I have met with so many people at the openings. Uh, mm-hmm. I went then, I went there five times in two months in London. I spent a lot of time there to understand the customers and the market. And I am truly confident because every single person that we meet says there was a need for this like intimate mm-hmm. space, more personal than the other retailers that we all hear about. And with which are more curated and mostly what comes up the most is with an amazing expert skincare advice with expert consultants in store. So everybody's very enthusiastic, but you have to get them in store so that they understand the added value of Oh My Cream and the difference between us and all the other retailers that you mentioned. So it's very hard because we have a huge work to build brand awareness and to drive people in store. And it's hard because there are many retailers, many, many more than we had in France 10 years ago. So it's a hard job, but I am sure it will pay off. It will take time. But, take time, um, but that's why it. we keep on opening stores and we don't wait until there is a proof that they will be super successful because I know they will be in time. It will just take time.
0: Exactly. And it, it's stronger together as a collective, you know. The more my exactly. dreams I see, the more I'll be willing to go inside. And that's the way the exactly. universe is. So. I completely agree. Completely. Um, Well, before we go to fire round questions, I have a sort of a a founded beauty desert island situation for you. So you're invited to a a desert island, but TSA or security is being really strict. And they're saying, Juliette, you can only bring one Oh My Cream product with you. Um, What is your one? It's like choosing from your babies. It's really hard. But what is your one go-to product of your line?
1: i hesitating between two. Uh, no, I think the product I cannot live without is the Creme Universelle. The, in English, the Universal Moisturizer. It's, for me, the best moisturizer. It's simple. It has no smell. Uh, it has... Um, it's just hydrating and comfortable, but not greasy for my imperfections-prone skin. I love it. But I think I cannot figure out how to not clean my face at night. So if I had to choose between moisturizing and cleansing every night, I would choose cleansing every night. Otherwise I don't okay. feel. Uh, clean. I know what you mean. So I would choose our late, one of our latest launch actually, which is becoming one of our best seller. It's the, clean, the cleansing foam. From uh, Oh My Cream. It's very light. Uh, It smells like citrus. It gives you, you know, this like neat skin feeling without striping it of its natural oils and I just love it. Um, If I had to choose, I think I would just take this cleansing foam from Omicron Skin Care.
0: Amazing. Okay, so now it's...
1: It's not the most expensive product, but if there is only one, you, it's you down want, to You clean. want
0: what you need, right? That's most important. Yeah, there's stuff that we would like to have, but essential is the most important on the desert island. So I agree. Um, so now it's fire round questions. There's three questions I'm going to ask you, and this is the first thing that comes to your mind. So the first question is, uh, what's another beauty brand you're currently loving? And maybe let's narrow them down to a product that's a brand that's within your store, you know, that one that you retail.
1: The Moon Food Serum from Herbie Botanicals.
0: Nice. Oh yeah. Have, and yeah. you know, uh, Alex, uh, have you met Alex, one of the founders, the co-founder? Uh,
1: no, not yet.
0: No. Oh, I'll make sure. You, he, he was one of my first guests and he's an amazing guy. He spends most of his time in Hawaii, but um, the, the brand started in his garage with his uh, ex um, partner but his co-founder and uh, yeah he's a great guy so I'll make sure I connect you guys when you're next and
1: this brand is so funny and and so worth trying I mean
0: it's amazing it's amazingly efficient I love it oh great answer next question is do you have a favorite quote or like uh, saying
1: yes um, I know it in French so I'll try to translate it in English it's a a sentence from Walt Disney oh yeah I'm a huge Disney fan Uh, and it says like whatever you can drink of you can do it and it's not the exact translation in france it's si tu peux le rêver tu peux le faire if yeah. you can dream about it you can, dream, then you, can you can actually do, kind of do it thing. in real life for sure
0: exactly and i love it i love that um and everything sounds oh, i miss hearing french everything sounds so much better in french you know like when i moved to paris i was always like everything sounds better in english And when you live three years in paris now I'm like, no, no, everything sounds better in French. <laughs> so it's so funny. I really became a Frank, like a Francophone. I became part of this culture. It's amazing. Um, my next last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur right now, what would Juliette be doing?
1: Um, I think I would be working in the um, hotel industry because mm. I, I love experiences. I love brick and mortar locations. And, yeah. I love hospitality. I love being with the customers. I love bringing to life experiences. That
0: well, you're kind of doing that already right now with Oh My Creams. I think so maybe I in that. my next yeah. life,
1: I will be in a hospitality that's or something creative terrible. and, uh, and something so
0: cool.
1: towards customers, towards people. Well,
0: maybe one thing you should do in the future is put Oh My Creams boutique stores within amazing boutique hotels because I think that could be really cool. Maybe. Um, it's something, but yeah, but you can merge your passions together. Yeah. But I love, one thing I will say which I really will be in, taking this with me from our talk and really inspired is just the reminder of the power of going with your gut and uh, staying, you know, making sure you keep on staying hungry to learn, hungry to to excite. I think it's very important by t- even starting new projects no matter where you are on the journey. So juliette has been such an honor um uh to have you here on the podcast so thank you for sharing your knowledge <laughs> and where can everyone follow yourself and oh my cream on social
1: or... uh, on social we're mainly on instagram so at oh my cream or at juliette levy cohen
0: well i'll put all the links in the summary so people can tap away and uh, i'll see you very soon again so this is just uh Yeah, very, very excited for what's to come. And um, if you ever need me to do any store visits, check on on them, I'll hook you up. You don't have to come to London every time. You have me.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Akash. And I had a very nice moment. Thank you.